Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Spiritual living, essential tools for spiritual living. When you get saved, there's work to be done. You're, you're, you're building a life. You're building a new life, a new life in, in Christ. And you, you need help as to how to do that. And the Apostle Paul in Colossians is going uh, to express his affection for these new Christians at Colossae. And then he's going to offer a prayer. And in that prayer, what he prays for are the tools that they're going to need to continue on and to grow. So when you get saved, it's the beginning. You know, the the biblical word is sanctification. Sanctification is a, a process where you become more and more like the Lord. And so the question is, well, how do I do that? Well, in Paul's prayer... He's going to give us three things that are essential for us to move forward in our Christian growth. And that's what the Lord wants for you more than anything. That's what I want for you more than anything as a pastor. Because I've seen through the years that people aren't growing, then they become vulnerable. And, 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 and Satan can pick them off one by one. There are people that used to come to this church that, 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 need to, that, that should be in church today, but they're not in church anywhere. And, and, it, and oftentimes it's because they, they've never grown. And, and they, they became baby Christians. And babies are vulnerable. And they can, they can be vulnerable to the wiles of Satan. So Paul, understanding that about these new Christians, he prays this prayer for them. And what he prays for them is recorded. And it's been protected for all of history because the Lord wants us to see that prayer too because it applies to you and I. Well, let's look. We're in Colossians chapter 1. Read along with me. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, he says to them, Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. He goes on to say, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, so he's talking to saved people, And of the love which ye have to all the saints. That kind of chimes in with this morning. These people, he knows they're saved because they love the brethren. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of truth of the gospel. Hey, there it is too. I really didn't realize how well this went with this morning's message. He's calling them saved people and then he's giving them the evidence of the fact that they're saved which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and brings forth fruit. That's really amazing. I didn't, <laughs> it's amazing how this corresponds. I didn't even notice that till just now reading this, how much it corresponds with the three points of this morning's message. And it corresponds perfectly. Anyway, he goes on to say, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, he's their pastor, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. And then what we're going to focus on are the next three verses. 
This is his prayer. And what he prays to be evident in their life needs to be evident in your life. And I want you to ask yourself the question, is this evident? Because these are tools essential for spiritual growth. I want to see you grow. I don't want to see you remain a baby Christian. When you're a baby Christian, you are vulnerable. You're vulnerable to lies. You're vulnerable to deceit. You're vulnerable to worldliness. So these things, what he's going to pray for these people, are critical for them. They're critical for you and I. Verse number 9. Here it is. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And here's his prayer. And to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's one. Two, verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then number three, verse 11, Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. He names three things in that prayer that were to be essential if these Colossians are going to move forward in the Lord. Now, these are essential tools. Seldom do I ever do an object lesson. You know what an object lesson is? It's when you have an object, okay, and you kind of build around it. Today, maybe first time in a long time, an object lesson. Tools. If you go to build something, you're going to need some tools. And without the tools, you're not going to build it. And I, I would contend that with these three basic tools, and, and I'm assuming you have the right material on hand. You have the wood, you have the nails. I'm assuming that's a given. We're talking about the tools now. With these three tools, you can build just about anything. You need a hammer, okay? For you younger generation, this is the equivalent of the nail gun, okay? But years ago, this is what they... How many of you remember years ago when this is what they used? How many of you did that? I mean, it was a hammer. Nail guns are, are, are recent, okay? You need a hammer, and you need a saw. Now, this would be the equivalent of the... It's not even a, a, a corded power saw anymore. It's a battery-powered saw. But this... Wait, now I'm, I'm not a very good handyman. Does it go up like that, or does it go down like that? <laughs> I think it goes like that. And then, let me show, show you something from history. I could have brought, I could have brought with me a um, measuring tape. How many of you guys remember this? Huh? What they call this? Did they just call it a ruler? I think years ago, that's, you just called it a, a ruler, right? It was just a ruler. So, yeah, I have a measuring tape, but I think this is so cool. I remember my dad. This is what he used. You know, when I was a kid, he used this. So, anyway. And to this day, I don't understand, you know, when, she, <laughs> when Sharon's asking me, she says, how, how long is it? I said, well, it's three and... Two little bitty lines and a medium line. <laughs> well, at least I'm willing to admit it, you know. Is that a sixteenth or is that an eighth or is that a thirty-second or you know, what, what is it? But anyway, if you're going to build something, 
you got to have the tools. you got to have the right tools. And if you don't have these tools, you're not going to build any kind of structure. And, and Paul is praying for these guys that they would possess certain essential tools, that they might move forward, that they might not be vulnerable. One writer said this concerning this prayer. This prayer sets forth the ideal of Christian character. What Paul desired for his friends in Colossae is what all true Christian hearts should chiefly desire for those whom they love and should strive after and ask for themselves. What Paul prays for, we should desire for all those that we care about. That they possess the three things. I mean, he mentioned numerous things, but we're going to group them into three main headings. And what he's saying here is that if you know someone that's a Christian, you should have a desire that they possess these. And that not only they should possess these, but that you should possess these. We're talking about things that are essential. Uh, A thing that is essential is something that is absolutely necessary. I mean, these tools right here are absolutely necessary if you're going to build a house. And if you don't have them, you're not going to build a house. Now, by, the, by today's standards, these are, you know, uh, crude tools. But, but nonetheless, if you have these tools and you have the right materials, you can build you a structure that you can inhabit. So we're talking, what Paul is talking about here is building basically a spiritual house. And one that can withstand the storms. Now, consider the background of what he's talking about. Consider who he's talking to. In Colossians 1, verse number 3, he says this, We give thanks to God and the Father of your Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. So he is talking to save people. And then when you get down to verse number 9, he says this, For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. For this cause. What cause? I've heard that you're saved, Paul is saying. I've, I've heard that you're a new person in Jesus Christ. And for that reason, I am praying this prayer for you. Because Paul knows all too well that once you're saved, it's just the beginning. It's the beginning of a journey. A journey that, in all honesty, is going to have some ups and downs, some curves in the road. But a journey that goes basically from being immature in the Lord to being a mature saint in the Lord. I mean, we look at older people who have been faithful through the years. And we just marvel at their grace. We just marvel at their wisdom. And oftentimes you see that lacking in in someone much younger in their 20s or in their 30s. Well, they've just been in the sanctification process. They have taken the tools to build their lives around the Lord. And now they're a blessing to others. I don't want to lose you along the way. And if we're not going to lose you along the way, then this prayer needs to be prayed for you. And let's look at the three things that the Apostle Paul prayed for. Let's just Put the first one under the label of, of, of the hammer. Number one, Paul prayed that they would have a knowledge of God's will. That they would have a knowledge of God's will. If you are going to stay committed to the faith and go beyond that to grow, 
you need to have a knowledge of God's will or, or God's word, as we might say. Colossians 1.9, you see it underlined there, you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. That's what he prayed for them. That's what the Apostle Paul, if he were alive today, he'd be praying that for me. He'd be praying that for you. He prays for them to have a knowledge of God's will. How do you know God's will? You know it through God's word to a great degree. You know, there's a general will for all of us. We're all supposed to be tithing. We're all supposed to be witnessing. We're all supposed to be living, uh, living godly lives. So when we say a knowledge of God's will, we're really talking about a knowledge of God's word. And, and why do you need that knowledge of his word? Spurgeon said he would not have them ignorant. He knew that spiritual ignorance is the constant source of error, instability, and sorrow. And therefore, he desired that they might be soundly taught in the things of God. So, number one, if you are going to build a strong Christian faith, one that can withstand the attacks from without and from within, then you're going to have to have a knowledge of his will, a knowledge of his word. And this, this message is, is intended to be really practical this morning or this afternoon. How do you gain that knowledge? Okay. Paul prayed for them. He prays for you and me. I mean, this prayer applies to us, that we have a knowledge of his will, a knowledge of his word. There's basically three ways to gain that knowledge. One is corporate worship. Corporate means the group, the church, meeting together. We did that this morning. We're doing that now. And we're doing that Wednesday night. And that's very clearly taught in Scripture, forget not the assembling of yourselves together. But also through personal devotions, your personal private time with the Lord. Could be an early morning, could be on your lunch break, could be in the evening. And another means by which you become acquainted with God's word, God's will, is through small group study. And that, that would be Sunday school. That would be um, on Wednesday night when we divide up and we have, uh, uh, what, what do we call it, the sessions? Uh, what do we call it? Split sessions, okay. Men and women, you know, we, we, we break it down into smaller groups. The ladies, they have, they've had their Bible studies. They've used the video sessions. I mean, he wants us to, to know his will. He wants, and we know his will through his word. And, and you need to put yourself in a position to feed on his word through the corporate worship, through the personal devotions, through the small group uh, Bible studies. You just need to do that. Well, let me give you some, a, a practical application, a hints, practical application, whatever you want to call it, to accomplish this. Number one, make sure it's on your calendar. For example, Sunday, well, it's on your calendar, but on your calendar under Sunday, it ought to be written, the Lord's Day. I'm in church. And nothing comes before that. Uh, well, our, our child has a chance to play Sports, but, you know, they, they play on Sundays, but it's, it's just for the fall, and we'll just miss this fall. No, it's the Lord's Day. It's the Lord's Day. You know, and, and you know, we, we say, oh, how I love Jesus, and, and then when we're tested, we fail the test. He will send tests along. Okay, let's see if you mean it. I mean, but we'll excuse it away. 
So if, if you're going to grow, you, you've got to be, what I'm saying is you've got to be intentional. That, that Wednesday night, I mean, it's not the Lord's Day, but it's when your church family for over 50 years have, have met regularly. And hundreds of thousands of churches have done that. And, you know, it just, it just makes sense. Well, that's when my church meets. I'm a part of the church. That's when I meet as well. It's, like, it's on the calendar. Uh, secondly, don't get discouraged and quit if you miss. You know, along the way, something may come up, and something may get in the way, and it may, it may mess you up with, uh, you know, your, your daily devotion. You may miss a daily devotion. I miss a daily devotion occasionally. And, so, and sometimes I don't realize it till after the fact. For example, tomorrow, uh, I'm supposed to meet Brother Aaron Wilson at Camp Kobiak at 8.15, so I need to leave my house at 6.30 in the morning, and I, use, I do my devotions typically very early in the morning, but what could happen tomorrow, you know, sun, Monday morning, you know, a little weary from, from Sunday, and I could sleep till 5.30, and I get up, and I get dressed, and I take off, and I'm gone, and then, you know, the next day I realize, oh man, I didn't, I didn't do my daily devotion. Well, that happens to me, that can happen to you, but don't let that be reason to quit, you know, don't, because that's going to happen sometimes, or you might miss church for a, a legitimate reason, whatever it might be. I mean, the, the, the handriches, you know, or at the hospital now, I guess they're in Grayling. Are they in Grayling? I think that's where, where they are. And, uh, last word was they're just, they're just waiting. So, uh, I'm sure there'll be something out. We'll send it out later when we, when we know something. But don't, don't get discouraged if you miss. Uh, next, keep the Lord's Day committed to the Lord. And again, we've gone over that point number one. Uh, just a thought here. See Wednesday night as an opportunity, not an obligation. Amen. See it as an opportunity. It's not an obligation. Oh, God, it's Wednesday night. Got to go. Why, why do you think that way? I mean, you got a preacher that really worked hard. It may not seem like it, but really worked hard to give you something. I mean, you're going to come on Wednesday night. You're going to travel from Grayling or Atlanta or whatever. You know, I, you know, for that reason, I owe it to you to give you my best. I mean, not just because that's what the Lord expects of me, but just in a very practical sense. You know, um, so, you know, hopefully there'll be something here for you that'll be good for you. And, but so many people will come up with so many reasons why on a Wednesday night they can't come. And, but don't think of it as, as an obligation. I hope you don't do that. I hope you think of it as, a, as an opportunity. And then just another practical thought here under growing in, in, in knowledge is incorporate variety in your personal devotions. You know, I found myself, I'll, I'll do personal devotions one way for months, maybe for a year, maybe for two years, and then for whatever reason, I might, I, I might change that. For, for the last two years, I was doing the devotions on my computer. It just worked out well. And, you know, I recorded them, and you can, they're, they're on my computer. Uh, but then recently, I bought a, uh, a, I guess you'd call it a journal book, and I've started handwriting it out. And, you know, you just need to change it up sometimes. Anything, we're human, anything can kind of get old, can get in a rut, get in routine. And now I am thoroughly enjoying writing. By the way, let me just throw this out. For your devotions, use your computer or, or, or write. Write something. It, it makes a big, it's easy just to, to read, pray, amen, praise Lord. This is just my personal opinion. I think when you, when you read something, 
even if it's just a verse you read, to, to write, just to write it down. There's just something about writing it down. Or, or I, I listen to messages on, in the mornings as part of my devotions. And on my, on my app, and it's really uh, cool, on my phone, you know, of course you can pause it. Because somebody will say something, or Mark Monty said something. I said, oh, that's good, I'm going I'm to write that down, I'm, th- this quote. And on that app too, it's got a little 15 second backup that you can hit that button and go back because I missed it. So I go back and back it up and write it down. But see if you can incorporate writing and record either a verse or a quote or whatever you're using. That's that's very important. So Paul says, you guys are saved and it's a wonderful thing. Here's my prayer that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. That's necessary as they're building their life. It is necessary that they have that tool and they use that tool. And that's true of you and I. So avail yourself to the corporate worship, to the personal worship, <coughs> and small, small groups as well. <coughs> then number two, Paul prayed a second thing. Paul prayed that good works would be a part of their lives. Let's let this saw represent the good works. He says in verse number 10, does he not? That ye might walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing. How are we pleasing the Lord? Being fruitful in every good work. And then he repeats what he said about the knowledge. But let's just focus here on the second part of the prayer. Being fruitful in every good work. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved to good works. Amen? We're not saved by good works, but because we're saved, we're supposed to do good works. What are good works? Good works are deeds done for others that are pleasing to God and bring honor and glory to Him. Now, why would, why would Paul pray for them to do good works? Because he did. What does he say? Being fruitful in every good work. Well, let me give you three reasons why that's important. One, it reflects the nature of God because God's always doing good works. I mean, creation, what a great work that was. What a great work that is. It's a good testimony to others when when people see good work. That that couple that we showed you the picture of, I mean, that was good works, what what Brother Jamie did, what what the Gillises did in taking them down and whatever. And that impressed those folks. That, that spoke something to those folks, and they were very appreciative of it. So it's a good testimony to others. And number three, kind of selfish, but it brings blessings. God blesses. I mean, you don't give a cup of water in his name without him taking note. He notices that. Now, when you're not doing, when you're not out actively doing good works, you're missing out on that. That's not happening, reflecting the nature of God, being a good testimony to others, and even acquiring blessings for yourself. And we live very busy lives. You know, I haven't lived in a small town all my life. And when I moved here, people that lived either in the Chicago suburbs or down in, in Louisiana, you know, they'll say, well, what, what do you do all day up there? Well, we sit on the front porch and whittle, you know. No, I, I think you get busier in a small town. You're just more involved. You know, there's less of us. So for things to get done, more people, more people are doing it. But don't get so involved in the trivial business of life 
that you're not doing good works. Things that you're doing to be a blessing to others that will give God the honor and the glory for it. And, and, and so you got to let some of the busy stuff go. You know, people say, well, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. What, 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 is, is the good getting in the way of the better? Could you be doing something better than you are right now with your time? And maybe you need to forego this particular organization or this thing that you're involved in. And it's good, but you could be doing so much better. Let's look at the application here. Talking about Paul prayed good works would be a part of their lives. You can use the gifts that God has given you. Every person in here is gifted. And the neat thing about it is we're not all gifted in the same way. But we're all gifted. Everybody in this, in this room has, has unique gift. And some people have the gift of organization, some people of giving, some people of mercy, some people of prophecy. Just use the gifts that God has given you. Second, commit to finding a place of regular service at church. You know, one of, the, one of the most important... No, let's back that up. The most important organization on the face of the earth is the church. And you ought to find a place in that church where you can be counted on to use your giftedness to further the cause of Christ. You're allowed to be a spectator for a while when you first get saved. Or when you first join a church. But after some amount of time, you ought to want to get in the game. I've used this illustration before, just speaking of basketball. When I was coaching basketball, if we had, well, if we weren't blowing an 18-point lead, but if we had a big lead that we were keeping, I'm looking down the bench, and all the second and third stringers are leaning forward looking at me because they want in the game. They, I mean, they, they're, in fact, if, if, a, if a first stringer goes in, they'll, they'll scoot down because they want in the game. Put me in. Now, a preacher looks down the bench, and everybody's, Am I right? Think about it. Think about it. Is that you hiding down the bench? Or you say, I won in the game. And look, we're not going to put you in a position you can't play. You're a 5'8 point guard. No way you're going to play center. You're a 6'8 center. No way you're going to play. We're not going to put you out of play. You don't have to worry about that. But commit to finding a place of regular service at church. Next, let God stretch you and take you out of your comfort zone. Let God stretch you. Say, ah, but I don't know. You know none of us do till, we, till we're in the game. And let God stretch you. Let him take you out of your comfort zone. And that is so rewarding when you realize, I did it. I taught that Sunday school class, and I, I didn't melt down in front of them, and it was really cool. I ushered, and I was a little timid at first, not knowing how it was go, but how it was going to go. But now I, I can't wait till next Sunday and be there at my post. And sometimes it might be God stretching you. Next, pray and look for needs that you can fill. I love that. Pray and look for needs that you can fill. Maybe there's some ministry we don't even have, but God could bless it here, and God put it on your heart. And rather than just saying, well, somebody else needs to do it, or I don't know if it'll work, you know, come and talk to, to me. Talk to Brother Jamie. And, you know, but, but be willing to head it up. Be willing to make it happen. And if the Lord put it on your heart, chances are he intended for you to do it. And then, lastly, there, start on a short-term basis. 
Well, I'm a little tentative. I'm a little afraid. You know, the Bible says be fruitful to every good work. And right now I'm mostly a spectator. And we're glad you're a spectator. We're glad you're here. But you're here to, to grow. And one of the indications that you're growing is that you're, you're getting involved. And if it takes for you just giving something a try, I'm all for that. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure. I, I, I can't commit for a lifetime, but could I, could I do this for the summer? Could I do this for six weeks? Could I help here with this? Yeah, let's talk. Let, let's talk. So, Paul prayed that they would have a knowledge of his will. That's one of the essential tools to build their Christian life. He then prayed that they would be endued, or excuse me, that, they, that, that good works would be a part of their life. And then we come to number three. Paul prayed that they would be endued with spiritual strength. Verse number 11. Strengthened with all might. That was his prayer. One writer said, To be strengthened is to be furnished by the grace of God for every good work and fortified by that grace against every evil one. It is to be enabled and to do our duty and still to hold fast our integrity. Paul said, you folks are saved. You're off to a good start. One of the things you need is to be strengthened with all might. And we're strengthened, as that verse said, for patience and long-suffering. Why do we need to be strengthened? Because when you start building something, there's going to be critics. There's going to be naysayers. Uh, you, you could be building a physical structure and somebody comes along, a neighbor, or somebody says, well, if you'd have done this, you, you don't like those people hanging around, do you? If you'd have done it this way, it would have been a whole, whole lot better. No, there's going to be critics. And you start building your spiritual life. <coughs> Excuse me. You start growing in the Lord. There's going to be people that are going to call you a fanatic, call you a cultist, said you off the deep end. So you need, you need strength. And Paul, that's what he's praying for. And that's the prayer through the ages for all of us. We, 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 all, need, we all need strength. There, there are going to be critics. There are going to be naysayers. There, there's going to be people that, you know, walk out the doors of this church and never come back. And, you know, you, you wonder about that. You, that doesn't sound good. You know, you don't take that as a, as a compliment. You don't take that as support. You have to deal with that as a pastor. You have to deal with it as a congregation. So Paul knew that. They needed strength. They needed endurance. They needed patience. They needed to be long-suffering. So how do you get it? Well, one is you simply pray for it. Two, you study. You, you read your Bible. You, you read about men in, in, in Scripture that, that demonstrated strength. You, you read about a Nehemiah. And he's rebuilding the walls. And, you know, the, the critics come along. And they're doing everything in their power to, to discourage him, dissuade him. You, you read about those people. And you realize you, you get the right perspective on where you are. And then, number three, you act. You know, you just, you just do it. You, you step out in faith. And, and you do what you're supposed to do. So here's the application for that. The application for growing in strength Number one, to grow in strength, it helps to realize that God is in control. When you realize God is in control, it, it can give you a boldness and a confidence that you would, in your, in your spiritual journey, that you would be lacking otherwise. Secondly, real practical thing, read Christian biographies. 
And, and, and then you'll realize, well, I'm not the only one that struggles with this. You know, hmm, Martin Luther struggled with whatever. John Wesley had his struggles. Spurgeon had, oh, and he really did. That, that man had a lot of struggles. And that, that perspective will, will help you when you realize you're not the only one. And if they can make it, you can make it too. Number three, to grow in strength, associate with victorious Christians. Hang around mature, victorious Christians. Christians who, in their journey, they've gone through valleys. They've gone around dangerous curves, but they're still moving forward. Those are the people that you want to hang around with. My life has been impacted by many of you. I am a better person, a better Christian because of many of you who in your Christian journey have had setbacks and disappointments and heartaches. It may be with people, it may be with health, it may be with finances. And I see your strong confidence in the Lord nonetheless, and that that encourages me. Associate with victorious Christians. Uh, Next, you know, it's okay to take baby steps. And you take a few baby steps and you realize, well, that didn't kill me. You know, and then, then you, you move on, and, and you move on. <laughs> my, uh, my grandson Carter, Matt, Matt's son, uh, they were at the house, and Jeremy noticed about Carter how fearless he, he would be, running off the end of the dock and jumping in, you know, and he shouldn't be because he's too young or whatever, and, and Jeremy would make the He says that, that Carter's theme is, well, that didn't kill me, you know, so, so on to the next thing. My other grandson, I found out a little... Uh, Abraham in Texas, he's five years old. He just started kindergarten. So he went his first two days. I called Jeremy. I said, well, how's kindergarten doing? He said, well, Abraham got home the second night and said, I ain't going back. <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm done. <laughs> he said, I'm not going back. <laughs> Jeremy said, what's the matter? He said, I'm tired. <laughs> Seriously, he said, I'm tired. He said, I'm not, I'm not going back. Look, we need strength. And we need to take baby steps. It's okay to start off small. You got to start somewhere. You know, you, you got to start somewhere. I think we have a very high degree of involvement in ministry for a local church. But I'm not going to be happy till we have 100% involvement. And as your pastor, I'd be real happy if you just, if you're just kind of not serving in any area, if you just took on some baby steps. And I realize everybody's different. You know, the, the older senior saints, you're, you're going to be limited. I, I, get, I get that. I understand that. You know, leave the heavy lifting to the, the, the younger generation. They can do that. But that doesn't mean there's, there's nothing you can't do. You know, and, and don't compare yourself to the younger people. I mean, it, it may just be, Pastor, I may be a prayer warrior. And I promise that every day at noon, I'm praying for you and Brother Jamie, and here's my list, and you call me with anything that needs to be added, and I'll I'll add that to it. If necessary, to strengthen yourself, take some baby steps, because when you get involved, you've got to exercise to gain strength. You've got to exercise your faith. You've got to get involved. You need to take baby steps. And then, of course, it goes without saying, read your Bible. Read. Read your Bible. So... Paul is acknowledging that these folks are saved, and he's thrilled. 
But he's also wise enough to know that their spiritual journey has just begun. He is wise enough to know that we have the enemy of our flesh, we have the enemy of the world, we have the enemy of Satan. And we need to build a strong spiritual fortress. And it doesn't happen by itself. And for that reason, Paul said, I am praying for you. And these are essential tools that they needed and that you and I need. They needed to grow in knowledge. Knowledge of God, knowledge of his will, knowledge of his word. They had to make good works a part of their lives. And they needed to develop spiritual strength. Now, if you're trying to build anything, if you lack any one of these three things, it's going to be hard. I, I, I think if you miss any one of these three, building anything of any significance at all is going to be virtually impossible. But most of you men in here who are way more mechanical and talented than I am, most of you men in here, if you have the materials, wood materials and the nails and what have you, and I give you this, in time, you guys can build just about anything. But if you don't have those basic tools, you're going to be severely handicapped. Make sure, make sure in your life that you're growing in knowledge. Be, be here for corporate worship like you are, small groups and... You know, make sure you're doing that. Make sure that good works are part of your life and make sure that you are developing that spiritual strength. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.